Welcome to our first Advent reading for the 2023 Christmas season. Our Advent reading guide this year is called Joy to the World or The Weary World Rejoices. Did you know that Isaac Watts' hymn, Joy to the World, wasn't intended to be a Christmas carol? No, Watts wrote it with the intention of having a hymn show praise to God for the care he gives his people, but with a New Testament perspective, specifically a focus on the return of Christ, the second coming of Christ. But just as the New Testament begins with the birth of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, Joy to the world will forever be associated with Jesus' first coming. It'll forever be associated with Christmas. Psalm 98 is the inspiration for joy to the world, and it's a psalm celebrating God's continual salvation of Israel and all the times that his steadfast love and faithfulness were bestowed on them. But all of that, all of the times God showed up and moved in Israel's history, all the powerful examples of his continued care for them, all of that was on display for the Gentiles, on display for all the earth. That's good news. When we look at the world around us, there's not a lot of good news to be found, and definitely very little good news of great joy, and even less good news that's meant for all people. But with Jesus comes joy to the world. Jesus makes Psalm 98 true because he's the culmination of the marvelous things God has done. God in flesh. Jesus is God's salvation made known. Jesus is God's righteousness revealed. God truly remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel by sending them the Messiah. And praise be to God, all the ends of the earth can see and experience the salvation of our God through him. Again, this year's Advent Guide is named after the hymn Joy to the World, but it's also, and not as a subtitle, but as an, another title entirely, named after a line from the Christmas hymn, O Holy Night, where it says, A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. There seems to be a lot more weary in the world today than joy, but we need to be reminded that the Lord has come and that he's coming again. So this Advent Guide is our effort to help you be able to rejoice in this weary world, to help you fix your eyes on Jesus rather than the trouble of the day. Now, when we look at Advent, it's a beautiful season of anticipation, of reflection, and it takes place in the weeks leading up to Christmas. It mirrors the way that Israel awaited Jesus' first coming and how the church today awaits his second. But we've got to remember the ultimate focus of Advent is on Jesus. So you can do the readings, but the most important part is the Bible readings, more important than the devotions, although we hope that the devotions are helpful to you in your walk with Christ. You may choose to celebrate by lighting the candles. You may choose to make a wreath or buy a wreath, but remember, ultimately, the most important thing is that we spend time in God's Word, that we wait with anticipation and excitement for Jesus is coming again. Today begins the first section of Advent where if you're lighting candles, it would be the candle that represents hope. 
The idea of hope here means looking forward to the promised Savior as foretold in passages like Isaiah 7:14, and, and reminded again in the New Testament in passages like Romans 15, verses 12 through 13. This hope isn't just a wish, though. It's a sure expectation based on God's promises, seeing God's faithfulness in fulfilling ancient prophecies during Christ's birth. It offers, it offers hope for everyone, not just for personal salvation, but for a world seeking restoration that comes from him. We find hope in God's faithfulness to keep his promises. We worship a God who planned to forgive our sins through Jesus Christ long before Bethlehem. This was foretold in scripture centuries earlier. Advent reminds us of God's promises fulfilled in Christ, assuring us of his unchanging faithfulness and securing our hope in him. And Advent reminds us God has promised Jesus' return, and he who promised is faithful. Here's the Advent reading for December 3rd. Today's passage is Genesis 3, verses 14 and 15. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Today's devotion is called Picturing Christ's Triumph and was written by Robert Mormon. During this time of the year when we picture Jesus, we typically picture a small baby lying in a manger surrounded by Joseph and Mary and animals and wise men all bowing down around him. He's lying there all tiny and wrapped in cloth. There's usually a star over the stable, and the stable looks like a shack. But go and look at the mention of Jesus in Genesis 3, 14 and 15. Specifically, in verse 15, you see the following text. I, meaning God, will put hostility, acts of war, between Satan and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, which is Jesus. Jesus will strike your head and you will strike his heel. God took the rebellious nature of Satan so strongly that God declared war on Satan from that moment on. And who would lead this war against Satan and his offspring? Her offspring. This is a reference to Jesus. And what will that war look like? Jesus will strike his head and Satan will strike his heel. Satan will strike at Christ and his body. He'll use every venomous attack in his arsenal, and if we're honest, we give Satan far too much power and credit than he actually deserves. But if you go back to verse 14, there is a visual representation of the position of Satan as God curses the snake to crawl on his belly and eat dust all the days of his life. God has placed Satan low. He's nothing more than a snake crawling in the dirt. Jesus is the promised victor in this war. He strikes the head of Satan and defeats him for all time. That tiny child lying in a manger is the absolute victor in the eternal war of salvation. He reigns supreme and for all time. 
The son of a carpenter is the risen king that defeated death, hell, and the grave. He has saved us from the pits of hell and the serpent. That child born of Mary waged a war for our salvation, and he was bruised, broken, battered, and killed. But he rose, and he reigns. During this time, when you think about the child in the manger, think about the cross as well. Think about the sacrifice of Christ. Think of his death and his burial. Then think of his resurrection. The resurrection that was the death blow to the head of the serpent, to Satan. This is why we celebrate the birth of Christ. He is our king. He is our victor. He is our Lord. To help you meditate on what we've read today from Genesis 3, 14 and 15, we have some reflection questions. Here's the first one. When you think about passages like Genesis 3, 14 and 15 and the Christmas story as a whole, how does that change the way you see Jesus as a baby in the manger? Question two. Think about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. How does this make you think differently about why Jesus was born and what he means to us as our forever King and Savior? Thank you, and God bless.